This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and an executive coach, and today I welcome Daisy Dowling to the show. Daisy is going to talk about how working parents can feel more capable, calm, and confident about combining careers and children. Daisy, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I would love for you to take me back to what was the catalyst? What is the origin story of why you wanted to write this book for working parents? Because I think it's very interesting and relevant to our conversation today. Yeah. So I wrote this book, the direct answer, simple answer is I wrote this book because I really needed to read it both personally and professionally. So I spent years um, in-house in large organizations as an in-house executive coach, working with men and women who were on the rise in their careers, who were ambitious, um, really committed, who you know went the extra mile constantly in their career. And I would help them figure out, how do I get towards my goal? Or how do I get promoted? Or how can I be more efficient in my work? And that was all great. I knew what advice to provide them. But then there was this other lurking issue in all of the coaching work that I did and all the conversations I had, which was so many of the people I was advising were also trying to figure out how they could be the kinds of loving, caring, on-the-job moms and dads they wanted to be at home. And for that, I, I didn't have anything in my bag of tricks. I could tell them how to delegate and how to present and how to manage up and how to do all those important things that we need to think about career-wise. But then to do that and to go home to 18-month-old twins and how to bring those two spheres of their life together, I wasn't sure. And then when nine years ago, I became a mom myself, I realized everything that I didn't know. I was so hungry for advice. As I was going back from parental leave, I was actually also facing a big career decision. And I remember I I bundled my then few-month-old daughter into her stroller and pushed the stroller down to the flagship Barnes & Noble here in New York City. And I started asking the clerks, so where's the working parent book, right? Like if there's what to expect when you're expecting and there's, you know, any number of cookbooks on any kind of cuisine, I I just assumed there was a a book that covered the working parent how-to. And I I didn't find it. And very long story short, it was that set of of needs, you know, career-wise for myself and, and also personally that directed me towards wanting to create a resource that every working mom and dad could turn to. Well, I thank you for writing that resource. It's an incredible book. And let's dive in. So here we are still navigating through a pandemic. Uh, we're journeying toward safer spaces. But the reality is that that uh, now ubiquitous term, new normal, is is shifting on a daily basis. So it's really produced a reckoning of the state of the working parent. Let's start. How can parents feel more confident and connected and in control, especially as we continue this pandemic journey? Yeah. So the the first piece of advice, and if I were to give working parents none other, the first thing that you need to do for yourself is think through and get clear on your working parent template. 
Your working parent template is the sort of collage-like collection of different experiences you've had, advice you've gotten, observations you've made about working parenthood over the course of your life, starting with your family of origin, moving through your professional training, your education, and now in your social circle with mentors, with colleagues, um, with people you connect with on Facebook, all the different things that you've picked up, which together have come together and have formed your impression or view, which might be kind of largely subconscious as to what being a working parent means, what it requires, and particularly what it means to be a good working parent. So let's say your mom worked full-time growing up, but she was able to come home and cook dinner for you every night. Well, you may have it lodged really deeply in your template that good working parents can draw firm boundaries between work and home time, or that they spend evenings with their kids, or that they always create from scratch meals with for their children. Or you may have picked up from all your friends from college who went part-time after they had their second baby, that that's the right thing, that that's what good working moms do. None of those things is right or wrong. They're your experiences and they're valid. But if you don't consider them and don't understand how that template is shaping your decisions, your thoughts, your outlook, and your feelings, it's going to be like you're dragging around a bag of rocks. That template may not map to your current reality. Okay, maybe your mom could separate her work time and home time. But you know what? You're dealing now in the 24-7 environment created by the iPhone and modern technology. You're parenting during a pandemic. Even if you could normally cook dinner for your kids, maybe you're just so stretched right now that you're going to have to you know, order in or use prepared foods. If you spend all of your time adhering to your template, you're going to feel miserable and ground down, and you're going to focus on expectations and put pressures on yourself, a lot of shoulds that don't need to be there. So the first thing to do to get yourself into the driver's seat is the next time you have 30 minutes free, sit down with a piece of paper. You can do this by yourself with a partner, with a friend. Just start sketching out, mapping out all those different bits and pieces that come to mind for you. And then when you've got them down on paper, step back and say to yourself, but how does this relate to my own day-to-day? How can I set my own expectations? How can I make my own decisions? And what are some of the daily routines that are going to work for me, regardless if they have anything to do with some of those bits and pieces in my template? You'll automatically feel better. You'll be more realistic, more grounded, and it'll focus you on the keys to your own success in the set of circumstances you have. Thank you for being so specific because I know so many working parents are saying, okay, I I know what I have to do, but I don't know how to do it. And what I'm hearing you say is you've got to define those specific boundaries and negotiate what you need in order to have a a picture of, of life and what your parenthood or, uh, you know, how you parent, what that really looks like to you. And it's okay if that's unique. Exactly. You want a clear-eyed view for yourself of what's possible and what does success look like. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time managing towards other people's views or opinions or past experiences that aren't as relevant. And that's where people get really ground down. So it sounds kind of psychological or high level, but it's an essential first step that will then allow some of those more practical, tactical things that we all have to do to get better traction. So Desi, let's flip to a moment and look at this from the employer perspective, because the interesting end result of the pandemic, I shouldn't say end, but kind of a silver lining is that remote work is becoming more mainstream, more acceptable. It's being uh, demystified and destigmatized, And 
a lot of people are moving. You know, they're saying, I want a company that honors my values. So what do these employers need to do to get better at recruiting and retaining the working parents? Yeah. So I think employers, and this is a two-way street, employer, employee, but I think employers, first of all, need to realize that we've had a fundamental shift, right? The the pandemic essentially let the genie out of the bottle. Any employer who said, no, we don't really believe in remote work before, well, we've just had a proof of concept like we've never had before. So the first step for employers is to say, we're in a new environment and we really have to recast what we think is the norm, what's acceptable, what's going to work for our organization, but is going to allow us to retain the 52 million American working parents and many more in other countries also who have gone through this crucible experience, this wartime experience, and who are vowing to say to themselves that they don't want to do it again, that they want to have a more sustainable way forward work-wise. But the second thing that I think employers need to do, and this is where the, the two-way street really you know, begins to come in, comes to the fore, is to encourage or even to push employees a little bit to figure out what's genuinely going to work for them. So when I talk to a lot of working moms and dads, and they say, well, I, I don't want to go back to the office full time, or I, I definitely want more flexibility. That's an important statement. It's an important step. But then you have to nudge yourself and say, well, what does more flexibility mean? Do I want three days a week in the office? Do I want shifted hours? Is it less about the commute and more about when during my workday I do that work? Um, is it about the type of project I take on? And to think about flexibility holistically, to make clear for yourself what what the ideal, what a workable solution is, and then to begin to advocate for that. And that's where I think employers can put a little bit of responsibility onto employees and say, it's your job to be clear with us about what it is you want and need. You may not get everything perfectly, but that you have to come in with specifics and explain to us how that's going to work for our business. And I love that. You're saying, look, design a scenario that works for you and then bring it to your employer, right? And pitch it. And and as you said, you might not get everything, but you won't get anything if you don't ask. Exactly. And if you just say, well, I want more flexibility, it's really hard for an employer to grant you that because what does that look like? Love it. Daisy, I'm loving this conversation. So hold tight. We'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So, Daisy, I am not a mom. However, I am an aunt, and my brother and sister are in panic mode because the summer's coming. Uh, they are working remotely right now, but they're they're easing back into their on-location work environments, and they're in a bit of a panic because their respective kids aren't going to be in school or summer camp, because a lot of those camps are not coming back this summer. So what is your wisdom and advice for those parents? Yeah, I, I'm so glad you asked that question, because these working parent techniques are important to working moms and dads themselves, but they're also important to 
family members, to allies, to managers, to, to everybody who's part of this entire you know working parent equation. So here's my advice to them and to you, which is that being a working parent to in order to succeed, succeed, to feel satisfied, like you're on a good path, you need to spend a lot of time thinking and thinking regularly over the course of those 18 years that you're raising your child about your working parent village. Now, it's an old saying, an old phrase. We all know it takes a village to raise a child. And Hillary Clinton wrote a book 25, 30 years ago with that title. We've all heard that, but a lot of us don't think about that tactically. When you are a working parent, you need a pretty big, well-architected, well-built-out village of network of support and supporters who can help you as a parent, as a professional, and as a person. And every quarter, this is what I recommend to my coaching clients, every quarter, or at least a couple of times a year, you want to sit down and talk with your partner, with other direct members of, of your village, and say to yourself, in what specific ways that we haven't thought of yet, can we possibly get any additional shred of support, support broadly defined? And with my coaching clients, and in the book, I go through an exercise that I call 8C, and each of the Cs is a different category of support. You can get career support from your boss, from your managers, your mentors. You can get community support. Can a neighbor help pitch in and you know, babysit your kids when you know, you're late coming home from your shift at work? Um, are there different things that you can do computer IT wise to automate your life and get some work off your plate? Now, for any working parent who's facing this incredibly daunting thing, school has been out. We've been through this terrible pandemic. Now school's going to be out. You know, how do we fill the next those two or three months over the summer? The number one thing to do is think who is in our village. Who can we ask for a bit of additional childcare from? Are there ways in which we might get additional support or leverage, you know, from our community at work so that we can shift some of our attentions at home or get more flexibility so that we can be taking care of the kids? And as you go through this process of thinking holistically and creatively, what are any of the possible ways I can get help and support? I mean, listen, Mary Poppins is not going to suddenly fly in on her umbrella and land on your front lawn and make everything fine, but you will find just enough to give you that relief that you need, to get you through those next few months, to give you those few hours back per week that will let you do this and do it longer term. Daisy, I want to thank you and celebrate you for being so inclusive in the book. Uh, you said earlier there are 52 million American working pa parents, for example, and this includes dads and LGBTQ plus parents and adoptive parents and parents of older children that we don't always think about. You know, even the, the parents of, of college age kids, there are needs of those older kids. So I'm grateful for that. Any thoughts about um, that village and, and how we think about um re-entering the world after the pandemic lockdown with that very diverse population. Yeah. So in Working Parenthood 2.0, which is what I'm calling the kind of working parenthood, the, the era that we're going to move into as the pandemic dies down and as we all kind of go back in this new normal, it is going to be essential for every working parent to connect with others. 
So historically, pre-pandemic, a lot of us were trained to think of ourselves as not being very professional if we talked about our parenting needs, or maybe there was a working parents network in your organization or at work, but it really only consisted of a small group of parents and all with kids who were babies or toddlers. There are so many parents I coach and counsel, and I get emails from and requests from, you know, on social media or, you know, just who reach out to me who say, I have this question where I feel like I'm not doing well as a working parent, or I'm looking for advice and support, but there's nobody I can connect with because I'm a dad. And, you know, the dads at my organization don't, you know, talk about this stuff, or I'm worried people will judge me, or, you know, I'm an aspiring LGBT parent and I, I don't have a lot of role models. There's not other people who can help me out here. So in this new world, what we need to do is break those barriers down. If you are part of an organization that already has a working parents network, join it and start being vocal, start sharing tips and tricks with other parents, and then go one step further and try and scoop up those other parents and aspiring parents who you think may not feel permissioned or part of the conversation and try and bring them in. The more community and camaraderie we have, the more peer-to-peer advice and support and tips we can share, the more we're going to be able to push working parenthood forward and feel better, each of us individually along the way. Let's talk a little bit about working parent burnout. You illustrate the signs of burnout for working parents and also tips to feel more calm and in control. Would you give me a few signs and also tips? Yeah. You know, the signs of burnout are typically just feeling like you are stuck on a treadmill where there is no off switch and where you can't get off and where it's going at a speed that you don't know you're going to be able to keep up for all that much longer. If you have that feeling, it's time not just to think, oh, I need to be more resilient or work harder or buckle down. It's time to actually do something different. One of the most powerful things that you can do, kind of the the antidote or the vaccine for that, is taking time off. Now, as soon as I say that, a lot of people recoil and they immediately start saying, well, I can't take any time off or my job won't let me or, you know, I I can't take vacation or now is not the optimal time or I have too much on my plate and I get it. We're all overwhelmed. But the first thing that you can think is what are some of the small bite ways I can draw a boundary and be off? That might be what I doing what I call micro cheating, which is just taking 15 minutes here and there to put your iPhone down, step away from the laptop and from your kids, take a break, go outside, whatever, just removing yourself and saying, I'm not going to be productive for that next time. It might be taking a, you know, sort of a day on a weekend and saying, unless it's an emergency, I'm not going to respond to any emails. I'm just going to try and do what it takes to build my own battery back up. So it doesn't have to be a two-week holiday. You don't have to go someplace. But think about those small ways you can build time off back into your calendar. When I talk to a lot of parents, I, I compare this to being an athlete. If you were, you know, even Olympians have rest, downtime, sleep, that's actually part of their training. It's part of what makes them succeed. You need to do the same thing as a working parent. And then the second technique, which is just to give yourself an immediate lift of a a sense of momentum, a sense of accomplishment, is to keep what I call a done list. So as a working parent, your to-do list stretches for miles. And no matter how hard you work, it never seems to get any shorter. It just keeps refilling. That's a really demoralizing, burnout-prone place to be. So in addition to keeping a to-do list, you keep a done list. And every time you accomplish something large or small in your day, whether that's 
finishing a big project or at work or throwing in a load of laundry, whatever it is, you jot that down on your done list. And then once a week on some regular basis, or just when your energy is at, an, at a low, you pull out that done list. And instead of feeling like you're on your back foot, overwhelmed by so much ahead of you, so much you have to do, you look at everything that you have done during the past days all the huge volume of what you're accomplishing. And you remind yourself of how much you are doing. You are pushing forward professionally and as a parent. And you anchor yourself back in that sense of total commitment to those two spheres of your life and accomplishment in both of them. Oh, I love, love, love the done list and the micro cheating. Great, great tangible examples. So Daisy, as we wrap, it's a really interesting time because many people are able to negotiate more flexible work arrangements, but you're also cautioning people, be aware and know what pitfalls to avoid. So share some wisdom in that light because this is so timely. Yeah. So we think of flexibility as, um, as a right or as a corporate program, right? I, I'll go in, I'll negotiate flexibility, and then I'll then I'll have flexibility. We haven't conditioned ourselves to think of flexibility as a skill, which is what we need to do right now. So let's say that you are granted the ability to work in a certain way that's different than before, or that does help you meet some of your family responsibilities and needs. That's great. But now you have some new pressures on you and some new, and I say that in a good way, pressure sounds you know intense, but in a good way, some new pressures on you. Let's say you are working remotely five days a week forever. That's great. It feels great. But how are you going to keep up your professional network? Well, maybe there's some compensatory ways that you want to think about using social media to do that. Or how are you going to keep up some important relationships with your mentors, with your colleagues, so that you're in the flow of information when a lot of people may be back in the office? Well, maybe you want to go in once or twice a month just to stay in the flow of things. In other words, you want to think about scaffolding your flexibility arrangement so that you're getting where you want to go career-wise, you know, professionally, you're keeping up your own professional brand, your skills, all of it, while also getting that wonderful thing where you can eat lunch with your kids if they're home, or you can run an errand during the day. So think about the benefits, but then also kind of play it forward and think about what additional skills, habits, routines, you're going to want to build in to make that flexibility work. Daisy, I have learned so much from you today, and I am tremendously grateful. And I know the millions of parents listening around the world are just sopping this up and eager to hear about your book. So let me tell them. Your book is called Work Parent, The Complete Guide to Succeeding on the Job, Staying True to Yourself, and Raising Happy Kids. And it's available on Amazon and at all major book retailers. Daisy, I wish you continued success. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the time we spent together today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this will help new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Yeah.